Chief Justice and the Associate Justices of the Supreme Court of the United States. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Students don't shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Our voices matter because we're the ones best equipped to tell our own stories. Student journalism matters. This is Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate, the New Voices podcast. Hello from upstate New York. This is Mike Simmons with Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate, the New Voices podcast. In today's episode, I go one-on-one with Steve Listopad, currently of Henderson State University in Arkansas, but formerly of North Dakota, where he was integral in getting the John Walls New Voices Act passed in North Dakota uh, back in 2015. As you'll hear in the interview, the work on the New Voices Act in North Dakota came from some advocacy work that college students of Steve's uh, were engaged in beginning uh, back in 2013. Now, while there have been modern campaigns to secure students' First Amendment rights, uh, most notably stretching uh, back into the 90s in Washington, uh, it's Steve's work in North Dakota that is is credited with being kind of the the catalyst for the modern New Voices movement. Um, Anyhow, check out the interview, and uh, remember that if you want to be in touch with the Scholastic Press Rights Committee, you can do so at JEA sprc.org and uh, never forget about our friends at the student press law center splc.org if you or your advisor or program are in need of help or assistance both groups uh, are there for you the sprc's website has the panic button and the splc's website has all sorts of resources including contact information where you can reach out uh, to some of their staff lawyers Uh, for now though my conversation with steve listopad of Henderson State University. All right, joining me on Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate uh, is Steve Listopad, uh, presently of Arkansas. Uh, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's lots of fun. Yeah, this is going to be great. And um, I've got to say, I, I don't want to put you on the hot seat, but I, I think uh, the modern New Voices movement can uh, trace its course right through your classroom. I'm really excited to unpack this with you. Um, for the listeners, could you tell folks just a little bit about where you are now? And then I think we're going to backtrack from there, if that's okay. Sure. Um, I am a, a uh, lecturer in journalism and media at Henderson State University and advise the student uh, newspaper, yearbook, website, and um, advertising agency here at Henderson. And um, previously, I was, I was at uh, University of Jamestown um, from 2003 to 2014, and that's where the John Wall New Voices Act uh, got its start. And it wasn't in your, um, and that's in North Dakota, we should say. North Dakota, um, yes. University of Jamestown. Yeah. Um, and and if, as I understand it, the New Voices, um, John Walls Act, didn't start in your journalism classroom, but in another related course that you teach. Can you talk me through that? Well, it's um, uh, the, the, the long and, and short version of, of how that got uh, started was... Um, University of Jamestown is a private uh, 
private religious affiliated uh, uh, affiliated with the Presbytery uh, University and um, thousand to twelve hundred students and um, I started there in 2003 and they they just had just shut down the yearbook and they were gonna shut down the newspaper and um, and uh, when I started one one of my jobs was ad- advising what was left of the newspaper and um, faculty and the president and others were disappointed with the the output um, and uh, embarrassed by some of the stories that were talking about sex and drugs and rock and roll and all that fun stuff and uh, they wanted me to fix it and and so um, so conversations started right away in at, at my tenure at, at the University of Jamestown about uh, what that means and it's again it's a private school and I told the students you know you have no first amendment rights um, the the president can shut down the newspaper they can stop your funding can just tell you not to print that story and and you've got no recourse um, unless it happens to be a uh, a policy in the in the student handbook uh, where you could say oh you're you know you're breaking the contract with me when I when I enrolled here um, but um, but they they had no they had no rights that what they did have was um, um, people that were willing to listen and 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 people that were willing to support their efforts um, to be uh, you know semi-professional to prof- professional stu- uh, you know working towards professionalization and in the uh, realm of journalism as as a, a young student or, or I should say young adults and um, and so over the years the students um, wanted to know more about their their rights and uh, what protections that they they have and in 2005 at a uh, at the Las Vegas Associated Collegiate Press uh, uh, convention in the it was a spring convention uh, we attended a session put on by the student press law center and it was about uh, host uh, the host v carter uh, decision at that time and um, it was interesting to me it didn't affect my students at the private university but it was very interesting to me and um, and uh, my students that were in the room, um, student, the editor, um, and, and some others, asked a question about we're at a private school. What, you know, what's what can we do? And they, they said nothing um, except if you lived in California, and that was the California's Leonard Law um, that came up in the conversation. So, so for the next ten years or so, um, our our students tried, uh, and I worked on developing policies at the University of Jamestown that that were reflective of um, California's Leonard Law or reflective of other states that have that have policies protecting student media um, by writing that language into into the handbook um, knowing that there was no other legal recourse other than other than the contract that the students uh, had with the university and um, but but I always I always encourage the students. You know, California has a law, and and uh, that that could benefit you. We could do that here in North Dakota. We could try, and um, and uh, we 
we saw that there were you know plenty of other cases that uh, with high schools and with with public colleges with host host carter uh for instance um which we'll explain in a minute um but um but since the hazelwood decision in in 1988 there were a lot of other uh situations uh, around the country it was you know um, private colleges weren't the only ones affected uh um actually uh it was it was a case of you know here's here's a law that's removing the here's a court decision with hazelwood that's uh um removing first amendment rights from from students at, at public uh, k k12 and and there's hostie v carter uh, a circuit court decision that's removing the rights of of uh uh, college students in in three states, and um, and it's it's not just private uh, college students that and, that are affected. And so, um, I always encourage the students in my in my civic and citizen journalism class, which was a capstone course, um, that you know you could you could do something about this because that that class was a um, a project based class, and and I'd have you know five to twelve seniors in there at a time. And um, we did, uh, you know, various research projects throughout the years, and we did we did grant writing, and and I always gave the students the opportunity to choose the project, and um, then finally in 2013, uh, that particular group of students said, all right, you know, we'll we'll do the, um, we'll we'll write a law, we'll research and and write a write a bill, and um, that ended up being the the draft. Um, from uh, January to May of 2013, they researched and uh, and wrote the language for a bill um, that became the John Wall New Voices Act, um, and they presented that they presented their project uh, to state legislators in uh, in Bismarck, North Dakota, the capital, in April of 2013, and that was the just the end of that session and North Dakota has, uh, uh, has biennium schedule. So, um, they only have sessions every two years. And so we had to wait then, um, with that, with that draft language, um, until 2015, those students that wrote it graduated and moved on to other things. But, um, we had interest, we had legislators that were really interested in, in it. They, as soon as the students proposed it and, in April of 2013, um, a, a draft was um, was written up by Legislative Council in the state of North Dakota, and it, it was the second bill on the docket for for two years later, 2015. Um, and so then we spent the next two years uh, building support for it, and that's the first half of the John Wall New Voices Act. That's an incredible story, and I wonder when the kids took it to the legislature for the first time. Um, on the initial, you know, interest, their initial pitch, what did it receive bipartisan support at, at that point? When, in 2013, when they, when we yeah, brought it? Initially. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, what we did there was um, for, as a class project, I said, um, you know, you guys wrote this, you guys wrote this, uh, this excellent language and you have excellent research um, to back it up. So we need to find uh, anyone that would be that be willing to listen, and and most legislators will will entertain a meeting with students, and um, but we we picked ours very smartly. Uh, we chose um, we chose an 
alum of <laughs> the University of Jamestown who worked for uh, our for who worked for our student media as a as a sales manager um, previously, and um, and we let her pick out um, uh, some other uh, Democratic legislators who who she knew would be very interested in the subject, and so. So they listened to us and um, and uh, and were were taken with the with the idea um, in 2013, and uh, and dropped the bill and at that time, and uh, so then it was it became uh, it, be, it was put back on us. Then uh, now that the bill the bill in 2013 was was sitting there, it be, it uh, became our responsibility to build a coalition around it. And you talked about um, part one of the bill being introduced and, and, and the rest. Uh, what what did it look like from where you brought us in the timeline out to actual passage and signing? And, and maybe you can share just briefly um, for the audience just a little bit about who John Wall was and for sure. who it's named. Um, so, so like I said, we had two years to sit on this thing. And um, our first goal uh, was to figure out, you know, how to get um, how to get Republican support because nothing, uh, very few things pass in the North Dakota legislature without, um, without Republican support. So, um, we wanted to, we started with, uh, the North Dakota newspaper association. I was on, on the, um, foundation board for the North Dakota newspaper association. And at the time, so I had a good relationship with them. And, uh, the big question was, you know, if, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Is this something we really need? Do we, you know, um, does can the newspaper association afford to support this at the cost that it will, um, you know, or at the cost of other priorities that it has? Um, so, so we spent about a year uh, just w- working with the, the newspaper association in North Dakota uh, to get them on board, but uh, and that was that was the most worthwhile activity of, of that two-year span because because when when we got them to to say yes we we believe in this we will support you we will support this um a hundred percent um then the dominoes uh started to to fall and everything started to fall into place um it, it went through that was you, you know i mean most of the it, it's an it's not it's not society of professional journalists this is the newspaper association most of these right. owners are conservative um, businessmen and women okay. um, and uh, they believe you know they believe in in uh, they have most of them have conservative values but they but they believe in their business and their profession and uh, they believe in uh, you know the first amendment um, but uh, those those members um, are connected across the states uh, with with legislators and and uh, conservative and and uh, liberal politicians and so it it opened doors for you yeah it opened doors in every in every corner of the state and I mean uh, by the end of by the end of our you know like I said it took about a year to get uh, the NDNA to take us on but um, once once they did then there were editorials in in every newspaper in the state um you know promoting this bill and uh conversations with legislators across the board and um and it it wasn't 
it's by by the time we by the time we got to um, our first committee hearing, you know, I didn't see it then, but now in hindsight, it was all, it was a almost a foregone conclusion that this bill was going to pass. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. I didn't I didn't see it then, but I I, I see it now. But um, our our ground game was uh, uh, in the two years between the language being drafted and and then uh, attending our first committee hearing um, turned out to be you know quint- partially you know partially accidental. We were all new at this, but but also it turned out to be perfect. <laughs> so there's and no. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to ask you because, and we're here because I'm involved in in the New York campaign, and I feel like um, those of us who are active now are learning from those who came before. So I know that in New York we're we're working on the News Publishers Association, but we know that because we learned from watching you. So mm-hmm. was it was it just sheer dumb luck? I'm just 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 a point of curiosity for me that you guys um, started talking to NDNA. Did it just so happen or? No, it was um, that was uh, that was uh, intentional because um, I well I had already had I, I had a really strong relationship with them, um, and uh, and um, they were always looking for interns. I, I was I was a point of contact for them um, in, in the uh, education community in, in North Dakota to find interns um, and find future employees and and um, I've. You know, there, I at that at that particular time, um, I had four or five working editors in chief at at, at small um, weekly publications in rural areas that uh, it was difficult, you know, to find pe- impl- people to work there. Um, but um, I, I ended up being at schools where students didn't mind living in small rural communities, <laughs> and uh, right. and so so we had a really good relationship, and and. Uh, so any so we we get we get the support of the North Dakota Newspaper Association, and then we start talking to legislators, and then we and then um, we find another alum of the University of Jamestown, um, who is a who is one of the, um, very young um, legislator in the state of North Dakota. Uh, he's a Republican, and he decides that um, uh, he decides you know whether he fully committed to the ideals behind our bill. Or not, he decided that uh, he was going to support his alma mater. So, he we we convince him to be the prime sponsor of the bill, and um, and uh, then through him, we get a um, a coalition of three um, Republican legislators and three Democrat legislators uh, to carry us to carry us forward, and we start communicating with the rest and, and getting the getting the sense of, of uh, where people sit. The North Dakota Newspaper Association um, uh, loaned, well, they, they didn't, I shouldn't say they, lo- um, they, they took, uh, they took this bill under their wing. It became one of their bills. And so that meant, that meant their lobbyist um, was, was working in the Capitol for us, for, for this bill and, um, and always, always t- taking the temperature and, and, and uh, making, uh, you know, making new inroads into, into uh, to get us the votes. Um, now our our bill, and I I have to say this um, because it was started out at a private school. Um, our bill uh, had three parts to it. It the the first part was to 
um, restore the tinker standard at high schools um, and for public high schools and uh, reverse reverse the Hazelwood decision by through legislative activity. Second okay. part of the, the second part of the bill was to um, protect public colleges and universities from the Hostie v. Carter decision and uh, that and and that's the Hazelwood creep factor so um, so protect public colleges and universities from from that Hazelwood creep and then the third part of our bill was to extend First Amendment protections to student journalists and student media at at private um, schools and colleges in North Dakota and and that directly you know affected the students at the University of Jamestown um, and and uh, our president the um, at the time President Robert Bedell of, of the University of Jamestown was was enamored by this project and and he fully supported it he's like I don't want the state messing with our business. We're a private institution. I usually don't believe in this stuff, but I'm proud of our students. So, so I'm going to support this thing. And, uh, and, um, we had the, we had the, the luck of not having too many private colleges and universities in the state of North Dakota. Um, unfortunately, um, the other private, uh, university in uh, North Dakota of any, of any weight, uh, was, uh, the University of Mary, uh, run by the Catholics, and uh, and they had a lot of uh, they had a lot to say about our bill. So, <laughs> so that they ended up being our our number one adversary when we got when we got to the Capitol uh, for our committee hearings. Um, but in the so in the run up, we've we've developed relationships with in with private universities public universities we got um, public university support we got um, the support for from uh, we've got support from uh, teachers uh, unions and uh, and educators across across the state and um, and then in the summer of 2014 so the middle summer uh, my um, high school journalism teacher John wald um, died um uh, he was fought a long battle with with uh cancer and he passed away and he was he was a journalism um educator in north dakota for decades 20 30 years 20 30 years and and then when he retired um he uh became in his retirement he became a, a, a republican legislator and uh, he ser- he served on the the House Education Committee, and um, he was loved in the state both as a as a teacher um, and um, nationally recognized journalism educator, and uh, and then he was loved in the state as a lawmaker, and um, and we thought there's no better person to name this bill after than him, and. Um, and so we asked his his uh, wife and uh, his wife and his family um, loved the idea, and we named it the John Wall New Voices Act. We got a little pushback because uh, from from a few legislators saying that uh, in North Dakota we we typically don't name bills after people. We we want to focus on the merits of the bill, not the emotional uh, impact of, of the name, you know, but, um, not too, not, not significant enough pushback that, uh, that, uh, we took his name off. So, 
we kept it named after him and and his widow and his family showed up at every committee hearing and and was there to support um the uh, further passage of the bill as it as it moved wow. through that's a great um, story yeah it, it it was it fantastic i mean you you know when i and when i talked to because over the years i'd call john and and ask him you know you know my students want to do something like this and my students keep asking me about press you know press rights and and for them and at at this private university and i, I talked to him about leonard law and 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 um, at first, his impression, too, was, well, you know, do we need more legislation? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Can't you work with with the uh, within the the university and its policies? And and but by the end, he, he came around as well. And and so it was as, as a as a champion of of uh, First Amendment, um, you, you know, he he taught us. I was his student in in from 1991 to 1995 at at Wapton High School, and and uh, that was the very beginning of the Hazelwood era. He was teaching journalism for 15 years before that or more, and and he didn't teach long in in the Hazelwood era. I mean, he taught real journalism. He didn't teach journalism in an era where he was afraid of what the administrators were going to say. And he was already a senior faculty member, you know, by the time, um, by the time Hazelwood's effects were really starting to, to happen. And so he wasn't afraid of the principal getting upset with him. He protected us. He protected, uh, I mean, we, we did stories on embezzlement. We did stories on, uh, we did stories on violence and, and, and we did stories on, uh, bullying and and sex and and uh, drug use and and um, that that was that that was what you should be doing. That's that was what he told us. This is what you should be writing about um, if it's if if it's there and and um, you know then in, in the in twenty four. 15 when I when I call a, a high school journalism teacher in North Dakota um, and say hey do your kids want to support the John Wall New Voices Act or maybe just report on it since it's about them and she says oh no no um, our students uh, can't report on anything political um, that's right. yeah. <laughs> that, that that's the difference from when John Wall was teaching journalism to when to you know 30 years later uh, under right. uh, effects of Hazelwood Let's uh, let's unpack this a little bit for the listeners because I think we're going to attract in the audience some folks who are are brand new um, to advocacy for their rights or awareness of what the First Amendment does and doesn't allow or the Tinker Standard. And there's so much you and I could talk for the next four hours, and we may very well have you back um, on on subsequent episodes. But on its face, what did the Wall Act uh, permit and and not permit? How how did, what what are your two minute long talking points for a legislator when we were getting them on board? So um, the the our two minute long talking points were this this is a a law that reverses a, a that legislatively reverses a, um, a deleterious a, a negative uh, um, harmful Supreme Court decision the Hazelwood decision which um, which uh, allowed journalism to be taught but. But uh, in name only, and and it wasn't it wasn't really um, allowing students to exercise their First Amendment rights or their press rights, 
and um, was giving a, a false uh, sense of what journalism is. And and so, um, why is that why is that important to to pass a law? Well, first of all, um, it's about civics. It's about civics engagement and not just civics trivia. Um, this is this is what we want our, our students to be involved civically in our communities and civically engaged in our communities. And and journalism actually does that. And uh, and so if if uh, but we have too many advisors and journalism teachers that are afraid to let their students um, be civically engaged be, uh, because of that. Hazelwood decision. Um, what uh, what the John Wall New Voice Act, Act doesn't do it doesn't allow um, students to do anything illegal. It doesn't if if there's if there's libelous content if there's if there's content that uh, could incite violence um, or if there's there's content that uh, in, either encourages or or specifically um, breaks uh, laws or policy um, in in the school district um, that that's that can be censored that can be taken out. Um, it doesn't give permission to allow that that stuff to take place. Um, but uh, going back to to the Tinker Standard, what it does allow is if the, it ha the school has to prove that that. The school has to prove that that's that that stuff exists. The school has to say, um, yes, this is going to cause um, substantial disruption, or or yes, this is illegal in some capacity, and it puts the onus of of proving that censorship is necessary on the school instead of just saying the school can censor whenever it wants to censor. Right. Um, the the Hazelwood standard in 1988 um, made things really muddy, um, both for the language that was used and, and, and um, what it does and doesn't entail. And I, I find in talking to a lot of advisors, they don't have a good sense. Um, and, and honestly, perhaps the bigger problem is that administrators don't have a good sense as to what is and isn't permitted. But um, I just did an interview yesterday with a student in Texas um, and the sense that I got and, and having read some of their content and some of the national coverage that the censorship got is that we've got administrators who want student journalists to be PR mouthpieces um, for their uh, schools and, and districts. Um, I ran across a, an administrator up here in upstate New York who said, you know, I, I want to be able to rely on the yearbook and newspaper program to help us sell the school and pitch it to incoming families and to attract people. And I said to him kind of on the fly, a little bit uh, off the cuff, you know, sir, if, if you've got cockroaches in your lunchroom, kitchen and cafeteria, and you're concerned about your student journalists covering that story and talking about cockroaches in the newspaper, it's not your job to stifle them and censor them. It's your job to get the cockroaches out of the cafeteria. Um, and I'm wondering if you could speak to, to that a little bit and, and, and to the power that, that your student journalists have had in, in your lab or the stories that you've learned while you guys were engaged in this, I don't want to call it a fight in North Dakota because it sounds like you, you set the stage and um, you were able to get right through. But um, to the advisors who, who say to you, well, my, my principal tells us that we can't write about that. We have to make the school look good. How, how do you respond? And, 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 and to what extent does that fire you up? <laughs> well, I just say, um, have you ever complained about fake news? And most of the time uh, they do. And they say, uh, oh, yeah, the, um, uh, fake news is rampant. And, and I say, well, that's your fault um, because you have been 
you have been teaching public relations for 30 years and you have been calling it journalism. And, and uh, stu these student journalists accept um, no for an answer. They accept, they accept, right. they accept no um, a, a, as an appropriate response from authority. And um, our, your, our job, one of our primary jobs as journalists is to, is to be a watchdog on authority. And uh, to be a watchdog on those on on uh, people in power and and si systems in power, and so if if uh, we are supposed to be singing the praises of power, um, then then and if you expect that for your students to sing the praises of of you who who is and those of you in power, then fake news is your fault. Right. Right. Well, listen, Steve. We, we talked a little bit um, right before we started recording that uh, it'd probably be a, a the, there would probably be an opportunity to have you back on and, and continue with a little bit of New Voices One Hundred and One. Mm -hmm. I want to talk more with you about the coalition building and the ways in which you've been involved um, beyond North Dakota. Um, but I know you and I both have um, some classes to attend to. So for right now, yeah. I just want to say thank you for this this first part of conversation. And, and to you listeners, um, you can expect Steve back in your feeds uh, before too long. Uh, but this has been uh, Steve Listopad, uh, and you are at Henderson State University down in Arkansas, correct, my friend? Yes, that, that awesome. is correct. And, and um, please yeah, go ahead. Um, would love people to check out the uh, the website, um, newvoicesus.com. Uh, um, we have uh, um, there's a couple there's a, a couple study or journal articles that are that are out there, and I'll share those with you, Michael, and and uh, put those. Make sure that um, any recent uh, journal activity um, uh, regarding new voices and, and Hazelwood um, is on the website, but um, there's just so much to this story and every state has its own unique story to tell on how, on how it gets here. Um, but the, for the end of part one, the three key, key takeaways um, for anybody is that um, you can walk into your first committee hearing and and have it be a foregone conclusion that the, that it's going to pass. But you've got to do the legwork ahead of time. You can't expect that these that they're just going to recognize a good idea um, when they see one that that's, that that doesn't happen. You have to build the coalition and know that you're going to win before you ever um, before you ever have that first committee hearing. Absolutely, um, Steve. Thank you for the time and I look forward to continuing this conversation with you on another episode of Conversations at the School Housegate. Thanks again, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks, Michael.